This episode is sponsored by CoachSnap. Are you looking for an all-in-one platform to help you build your coaching business? Then you need CoachSnap. It allows you to schedule appointments, collect payments, train and support all of your clients' needs. Health, fitness, hockey, football, or even life coaches can use CoachSnap. It's the business platform that will help you be the best coach you can be. Welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and this week, my guest is Melinda Cruz. She is the founder of Miracle Babies Foundation, Australia's largest NF premature and sick babies and their family. She started this by her own experience of having three premature babies. There is an incredible difference and impact that Melinda has made to thousands, and she has won numerous awards, including the 2011 EY Australian Social Entrepreneur of the Year and has been inducted into the Australian Business Women's Hall of Fame. She's a trusted parent expert to medical professionals and was awarded the title of Honorary Research Associate by the University of Sydney Medical School. She is the first parent to be invited as an investigator on government-funded neonatal trials and was part of two award-winning global trials improving the lives of millions of premature babies. Melinda has co-authored 11 medical publications and is a contributor to Thrive Global, coaches, other charity founders, and is working on her first solo book, Everybody, please welcome Melinda. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. So I found Melinda through Instagram and she was posting some stuff. I'm like, this is so incredible because a definite need in, well, you're in Australia, but definite need in America. So tell us about your story and your journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I have three boys who were born premature and it really was from that experience. So my first son was six weeks early. My second one, who I guess is kind of, if we say the instigator behind the foundation, he was born at 27 weeks. So Mm. being so early, he was resuscitated when he was born, spent 16 days on life support and nine weeks in total in hospital um, before we were able to bring him home. And then with my third son, I was lucky they put a survival stitch at 12 weeks Mm -hmm. Um, but I started having trouble when I was 23 weeks with him and then I was put on bed rest almost I got him almost to the end of the pregnancy I was on bed rest for 14 weeks Um, but yeah and he spent four days in the NICU from that so it really was such a big I guess journey and experience for my family in terms of you know what we went through but really for me what I guess sparked the idea behind the foundation was that Everything was okay once we were in hospital, but it all changed once we went home. So with Dylan, who was born at 27 weeks, we were part of like a a discharge group that lasted for about 12 months after he was born and we went there once a month. But when he was discharged from that, you know, I've got this baby that's not walking, not talking yet, we're not on full solids and there was just so many more questions, you know, about meeting milestones, you know, what challenges we were going to have. So I actually went and there was no social media at the time, which is crazy because <laughs> it allows so much opportunity, like how we found each other to connect to, to people. Yeah. So all I had the option was to Google and I actually found an organisation in the UK that had been running from the 70s and one, I actually found March of Dimes in the US mm. um, and they've been operating from the 50s. 
So yeah. really long time. This was 2005 in Australia and there was nothing. There was nowhere for me to go. I gathered that little bit of information. I approached the head of the, the hospital or the unit where the boys were born and said, you know, hey, I've kind of got this idea and it was a support group for families and also a charity. I really wanted to be able to give back because I absolutely hands down credit them with me having my family. So, yeah, and he said yes. And then they introduced me to other mothers that were interested or that, you know, kind of felt the same and and may want to come and help. And yeah, Miracle Babies was formed. Oh, I love that story. It's a good story and a great journey because I think it really shows and just how you can really make a difference. You can turn something, a problem or, you know, some kind of struggle where you can help others. And I love that you did that. It's an emotional toll, I believe, when you have a premature child. First of all, you you don't know whether or not your child is actually going to make it. And then, like you said, you take him home and you're worried, I'm sure, because he's not developing the way that, you know, most children would be developing if they weren't born premature. And then, like you said, you had all these questions. And I think that support groups help so much because you realize that you're not the only one going through these things and you're not the only one having these questions or having these blocks or feeling the way you're feeling. So the fact that you did this is such a great feat, I think. And it really does make you fearless because they could have all told you no, you know, they could have said, no, we don't need this. Especially, you know, when you're like trying to like go past the blue tape of like, can I do this for the hospital? Can I help other people? And it just shows your heart. And I really appreciate that. So tell us a little bit more about like how it started, how your first meeting went and any failures you might have had in the beginning. And if you ever felt as if you wanted to quit. Well, I think um, what you said is absolutely right in terms of, you know, the parent's journey. And one of the biggest feelings that we find from parents that have had babies in, you know, specialised care is guilt. Mm. So I definitely went through that emotion and, and really trying to support that. So one of the things that you just said, I actually spoke to the head of the unit that I had approached about the idea a little while later. And I said to him, you know, what made you say yes? What? Why did you need us? And he said, and I've never forgotten that, he said, you know, we look after the babies medically and physically world-class. Like, you know, we've got such amazing hospitals here here in Australia. But he said, if we don't look after the emotional well-being of the family we send them home to, we're only doing half our job. So he had that foresight that he needed, you know, to see it's not just about the baby being the patient, the whole family is the patient. But you're absolutely right. I don't know. Like, you know, I look back and I think, had he said no, how much further would I have taken it? I'm not sure. (laughs) Because I didn't have I wasn't didn't have the ability to, to be in contact with other mums. Um, yeah. Maybe years later, with you know social media, media it might have been different. But yeah, I mean, I credit, and he actually sits on our board now. So I just oh, think it's so absolutely cool. amazing that he was able to do that. But you know, I look at all the different things along the way when you talk about perseverance and you know what it is about me that's got this going, and and I, you know, I've got this drive. If if I if I rewind a little bit back before that, so I had my boys. 
pregnant the first time at 24 with Elijah. But prior to that, you know, I grew up, went to school, you know, went to university. I've got a science degree in genetics, um, married my high school sweetheart. You know, we traveled a little bit. We brought the home, got the job. I was working in a lab. So, you know, I felt like I did everything. Like I was, you know, what people say is successful and, you know, the right path. I was doing it. But I got to about 22. So I'd been working for about 18 months um, full time at that stage. And I really got this sense of, well, is this it now? Like I felt like I ticked off so much (laughs) and I know I was 22. But I had, and I I never went into a depression, but I have what, you know, at the time I I felt like I was having a midlife crisis. (laughs) At 22. At 22. (laughs) But I'm like in my early 40s now. So I'm like, no, that was midlife and I'm at the end and I'm nowhere at the end. So now I say it's like a quarter life. Yeah, a quarter life. life A quarter life. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really, you know, and I think everyone gets to the stage or, you know, a lot of people where they get to, you know, you start to ask the big questions. Why am I here for? One of the things that had happened in that job, so in Australia, we get four four weeks of annual leave a year. And I'd been working for 18 months, so I had accrued six weeks of holidays. And my husband at the time, he was, he travelled for work. So he had to go over to Perth, which is about a it's four hour flight from Sydney. It's on the other side of the country for two weeks and his boss said to him why don't you take Mel with you you know we can cover her flights through points and you know she can stay with your accommodation and you pretty much can take her for free which yeah. is amazing when yeah. I went to my boss what a nice said, employer oh, I know <laughs> incredible <laughs> yeah when I went to my employer to ask for the time off I wasn't granted the time off really and even though you no, had accrued it accrued it and the reason behind that and like I got a lot and I'm still friends with my boss she's absolutely amazing the reason behind it was that the tests that I did within the lab nobody else could do them at the time Mm. there was nobody else trained up so other people were taking their holidays it wasn't over you know a holiday season or any there was no other reason except for how I felt was I was really good at my job and I was kind of like trapped too good (laughs) yeah so and and you know she apologized and you know in that process we did end up training two other people to be able to do it to relieve me Mm -hmm. but I didn't get to go and those two weeks like it really I don't know it had an impact on me because I thought you know it doesn't matter what you do if you're stuck in a job like that somebody else kind of owns you you know all I have to myself was the two days off a week and four weeks off a year and I didn't have any control over it so I really went through that process Anyway, when he got back and he saw this kind of shift in me, I ended up going on a retreat for four days in the Hunter Valley, which is about three hours from Sydney, beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And it was really, it was based on the work of Bob Proctor. Have you heard of him? Oh, I love Bob Proctor. Oh, you do? Yes. yes. I was just talking about him the other day. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. So it was based on his book, You Were Born Rich. And for anyone that hasn't read that, it's not about... Money. Like monetary, yeah, it's not about, it's like rich in terms of abundance in your own life. Anyway, so it was a three-day workshop. When we walked away from that, towards the end, there was a workshop that we, we did where it described not how what you want to be doing with your life, but how you want to be feeling about your life. So mm. they actually encouraged you to walk away with one, two, three words that mattered to you, that if you could live within these, these words, these values, then it didn't matter what you were doing, you would feel 
that you were having a fulfilled life. Yeah. And the two words that I worked, walked away from from that workshop was create and contribute. Mm. And I just held on to that. Like they were two, they were the, just the ones that sat with me that if I was living a life where I felt creative and that I was actually contributing, then things would change for me. Yeah. So I didn't know what it meant. They didn't tell you this is how you're going to do it. I was you know, 22 at the time, had, hadn't had the kids yet and, you know, didn't even foresee the experience of having them early that they were going to absolutely change the agenda of my life. But really kind of, you know, held on to to that because I felt at that time, and, and, I, and I think a lot of people, when I share the story, there's a lot of people that will come up and talk to me that, you know, you get to a point where you think, I want to be part of something bigger than myself. And yeah. it's not really, it's not ego driven. It's just this innate, I think it's just human nature that we want, you know, our reason for being here to matter and, and yeah. I wanted to make a difference even though I didn't know what it looked like. So, yeah, so I think for that along the way. And then, you know, the thing happened with the boys and it wasn't, again, it wasn't really a thought I'm going to go and create this national charity and we're going to go global and all of this stuff's going to happen. It was more about that initial need in the beginning. I thought it was going to stay small and local at the hospital. And then, yeah, it was, the need was there so it continued to grow. But um, I will tell you a funny story though the first person I actually spoke to about the idea of starting a charity was our accountant I was sitting there with him doing our end of year like financials for, for our tax season he had his head down he was writing and I said to him what does it take to start a charity and he didn't even look at, up at me and he said to me what would you want to go and do that for and said, <laughs> really so I, yeah so then I thought okay I changed my question and I said he said is it impossible to start a charity and he stopped he looked at me and he said well no it's not impossible and I said that's all I need to know <laughs> yeah so I did have little things along the way like you know not I didn't I wouldn't say that I had roadblocks, but I definitely did have people along the way that probably thought, what is she doing? <laughs> it's not really, you get to a point where you think, especially because you were young, you were, you know, when you started mm-hmm. thinking about this, how old were you by the time you started thinking about this? Um, so I had had Dylan, so I would have been about 28. Yeah, see, 28 is pretty young to be thinking about, I'm going to start a charity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know. You were thinking in that time because, I mean, at my age, 28, I definitely was not thinking about starting a charity. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Elage. Let the healing begin. This miracle emollient helps with dry, cracked skin, cracked and callous heels, and even eczema. I've personally been using this formula on my feet since Sue Ann was a guest on my show. Ladies, Elage is truly a miracle formula. Let me tell you, I went on a hike recently and I got a rash from some crazy plants. I put some Elage on the rash and it was gone within 30 minutes. Get yourself some Elage and let the healing begin. The link is in the show notes. But what I loved is that you went to go see, you went to do this four-day thing um, with Bob Proctor, well, based on the Bob Proctor book. And I'm just now reading Joe Dispenza's book, How to Become Supernatural. And he does talk about that. He talks about the story about how his son had graduated from the university and had been working at a cubicle job and how he was just depressed. And he thought this can't be it. And I think a lot of us go through that. I mean, I I went through a little bit of that when I 
graduated from college and I got a degree and there I was working my cubicle job. And I remember one morning I was in the shower and I was just crying my eyes out thinking this can't be my life. Like, yeah. I, like I have to just do Isn't this. Amazing? Every That's what I'm saying. People have that feeling. Yeah. You think I have to do this for the next 45 years until I'm 65. <laughs> it That's almost, what I felt. <laughs> it almost felt like a prison sentence, you know, yeah. and yet you yeah. should, I should have been happy. But like you said, I didn't feel like I was contributing or I was growing or I was doing something. And you do start having those questions in your life where you think what this can't be it. There has to be something more. And I think all of us have that in us. Um, but what I liked is that you actually took the steps to create what your vision entailed. And I love that you said you didn't have to know what was going on or how it was going to happen or if it was going to become global. All you held on to were two words. And as long as those two words or what you were living by, then whatever came into, you know, into fruition was what would make your life happy. So I, I love that because I, I'm reading that book, How to Become Supernatural by Joe Dispenza. And he told his son the same thing. He said, write on a piece of paper what you want your future to be like. He's like, don't talk about like, you know, your how much money you want to make or anything like that. Just say, what are the feelings you're going to feel when you get there? Mm-hmm. And what are a couple of words that will describe your life? And so I love that you just said that because it's similar to what Bob Proctor is talking about. But at the same time, it you know, we're all, all these authors that I have been reading that have to do with manifesting your future all talk about the same thing. And I love to know that you actually manifested your future by writing those words down. It's amazing. Like when I look back at it now, I think, wow, you know, it's never something I could have foreseen, but it still has an effect on me, like for my next move, like what's the next logical step for me and what's going to happen as I move forward. It still comes down to those two words. And it's yeah. just amazing to watch how it unfolds. It's absolutely amazing because even in the last, so when we first began, we were very parent focused and we, and it's still the majority of the work that we do in terms of, you know, really looking after a family from a threatened pregnancy, their time in hospital. We have at the discharge program that I was part of that only went for 12 months. We changed that and it goes for six years until the children are ready for school. Oh, and then we so nice. now have, yeah, and we now have developed information and education for the school years, primary and then once into high school and then moving into adulthood. So doing all that and, you know, slowly by 2009, we've gone national and operate now all across the country. And then 2012, you know, we moved into global research. So just, yeah, just watching it kind of unfold along the way has been yeah. absolutely amazing. And then in the last few years, because of what we've been able to do, I'm now doing mentoring and coaching for other charity founders, sustainability and how they can do growth and how they can scale up. So, um, and that's really exciting because now I'm creating programs and, you know, doing that that for them. So, yeah. Just, I think if you can get really clear, and so it's been such an important thing for me, if you can get clear on how you want to feel about your life, mm-hmm. then the rest will start to show up. And, you know, I look at this one example. I did a careers day for U10 students. So I think that's your, might be sophomore year, just before they go into their, their, their senior years. It was a careers day and there was one 
you know, young man that, that I spoke to and, you know, he was like, I'm so confused. I have no idea what I want to do and, you know, I need to know what I want to do. So we had this whole conversation and, you know, I said to him, we talked about feelings and how he wanted to feel. And the word that, you know, so fast it came out of his mouth that he popped up with was productive. That one word opens up thousands of opportunities where if he wants to feel productive in, in this world, it's not about needing to find that one job, having that. And it was, you know, a longer conversation, but he just completely relaxed yeah. instead of being so stressed out. You know, he's only 15. You know, what's he going to do with his whole life? It's like you put in the weight of the world onto these kids. Yeah, but if you can absolutely. talk about how they want to feel and productive was the most beautiful answer. Like my heart just exploded. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. But, yes. you know, it doesn't. he doesn't need to know the how. He just needs to know what he wants to feel. And, yeah, I think if we did that more, it, it would change a lot of stress for people. It really would. Oh, absolutely. I think that everybody has it completely backwards. They think you have to pick something by the end of high school or the beginning of your freshman mm. year. I mean, I remember that stress very well thinking, oh my God, I have to pick something. I have to pick something now. And if I don't pick something, then there's something wrong with me. But you know, I've had several jobs my whole entire life. And I've interviewed so many women that have pivoted in their careers and they found yeah. happiness, you know, and I honestly think that's our main goal here. It's not the title on our business card. It's how do we want to feel on a daily basis? And I love that you, you know, were able to help him. But I also love that you extended that uh, period from like 12 months, you said to six years, because Bruce Lipton, he says, you know, give me the child from zero to seven, and I'll show you the man. And I, I really believe from the wow. zero, you have you're giving them the foundation not only yeah. to the parents, but to the child to be more, you know, mentally healthy and, you know, have the actual tools to be able to be a more sustainable human here on earth. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, our whole goal is how do we help them thrive? I love that. I'm going to use that quote. I'm going to take it into the office. Yeah. If you That's haven't read amazing. Bruce Lipton's book, it's a really good one. It's called The Biology of Belief. And he says okay. that, you know, from zero to six the, or zero to seven, he says, a child is mirroring their environment and they're picking up mm -hmm. all of the tools and how to be on this earth by just you know, watching their parents, their siblings and their environment. And if the parent is like suffering from, you know, postpartum depression or guilt mm -hmm. or shame, like you said, because the baby was born prematurely, the child doesn't know that he, he doesn't know that, or she doesn't know that they just pick up on the feelings. And then that is what the child grows up with shame and guilt and, yep. and fear and sadness. And, and they don't under, quite understand that but it was what their parent was going through at that time. And so I, I love that you extended it. That's like the best thing ever. Thank you. No, that's, that's amazing. And you're exactly right. Like it's a lifelong thing. And one of our sayings is, you know, having the journey with a premature baby, it, it doesn't end when you get discharged and people kind of treat you like it, it should. Oh, the baby's gone home now. Everything's, you know, normal. And it's not. It's, it's absolutely not like that. And you really have to look after the well-being and the development of the child. Mm -hmm. but the emotional stability of the family is absolutely key so yeah no I love what you've said like it's it's something that we've just naturally done because we've seen it we've seen it with our own children our families in terms of what the need is but if it you know kind of been proven yeah. <laughs> that it's important yeah it's amazing it's amazing to be able to offer that to be able to change the experience for families 
Yeah. Well, I'm so thankful that you were able to be on the podcast and to share your amazing fearless journey. As we wrap up this episode, Melinda, what would you say is your nugget of wisdom that you would share to anyone who is listening to it today? Oh, I think it's everything that we've been talking about to say it's not what you do with your life, but how you feel about it. And if people can get clear on that, I think that will change everything for them. Oh, thank you. Thank you again for being on the podcast. How can my audience find you? Uh, Probably the easiest way is to go to my website, which is melindacruz.com, and you'll find everything about Miracle Babies on there as well. And there's all the ways that you can link to me on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere. (laughs) And then I see that you are launching a podcast as well. Yeah, so I'm hoping to do that next year. And that will be in line with, I guess, what we were talking about in terms of being able to support other charity founders because I get so many questions. And, you know, they've got such hearts of gold and they really want to make an impact. But how do you do it? You know, what's the story behind that? So, yeah, the podcast is called Founding Good. So it's for founders that want to um, working with charities and just the whole I guess the journey behind Miracle Babies and using what we've learned along the way to help them online course on melindacruz.com yes perfect thank you again for listening to Journey of a Fearless Female I'm your host Paola Rosser if you love this episode make sure to share it with your friends you can find me on the internet at fearlessfemale.com on Facebook the Fearless Female Movement on Instagram at Fearless Female Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And ladies, remember, we have the power to rise and face everything. Until next week, goodbye. Goodbye.